you're about to enter the world of strawberry ice and the ice cave. Let's go! Welcome to the show. This is Sports with Strawberry Ice. I'm your host, the Iceman, Jeff Trenopole. And as always, I'm bringing you sports from a west side point of view right here in the great city of Cincinnati, Ohio, home of Jackpot Joey Burrow. The Facebook page for Jackpot Joey is officially up. So just type in Jackpot Joey. You should be able to find it. And if you're looking to uh, buy any of the merchandise, the hats, the shirts, whatever, Go to the Facebook page there, and Maddie went up there today and made his first donation to the Joe Burrow Hunger Relief Foundation, so that is awesome. So anytime you can help out a great organization like that, it's fun to do. So, And you get a cool shirt like this. We got hats, we got shirts, we got all kinds of stuff. So it is legit. He's getting it getting it done. So hats off to you, Maddie, and uh, good job. Now, if you found the show, do me a favor. Hit that like and subscribe button. Smash that thumbs up. I'm up to 1,130 subscribers. That is awesome. I appreciate every single one of you guys. Now, this show and every show is brought to you by T Properties. T Properties, quality housing for quality people. Check out their website at www.tpropertiesllc.com for all your rental property management needs and your rental needs. All right, guys. I titled the show, Reds Bullpen Sucks. Joining the show is Evan McPhillips. <laughs> so let's get to the Reds first. I've, I can't say this anymore. I, I, I'm tired of saying the same stuff. Bob Castellini, you completely ruined this baseball team this year. The Reds will not go anywhere if they do not fix this bullpen. 
I know Reds fans are going, well, David Bell, you sh shouldn't have went to the bullpen so early. You should have done this. You this is not David Bell's fault. And if you ever watch my show, you know I call him the mad scientist and I blame him for a lot of stuff. It doesn't matter, in my opinion, if he went to the bullpen in the sixth, seventh, or eighth. They all would have sucked. <laughs> you know? So, I mean, you could ride uh, uh, Luis Castillo tell you know, he can't pitch anymore and you ruin his confidence which is kind of where I think David Bell didn't want to do because he's trying to get back on the horse. That's why I think he kind of went to the bullpen. Either way, it doesn't matter. When you have a glaring, glaring hole in your baseball team and you do nothing about it, actually, you take away from it. Remember, they traded Rysel Iglesias. They did not pick up the option of Archie Bradley. Two relief pitchers who would be nice to have right now. That's, if they would have kept those two, the bullpen might be a little better. That would have helped, but they didn't. They took away from that. So I don't, that's where I'm like, for, you know, three years ago, we got Puig, we got Sonny Gray. All right, we're starting to spend money. We're out of the, the rebuild. Last year, we spent a ton of money. All right, we're all in, boys. Pandemic hits, you know, the world flips upside down. I'm sorry, it happens. This year, this offseason, you not only did nothing, you took away from your baseball team. That makes no sense. That is irritating to Reds fans like me who've been a Reds fan my entire life. And I have absolutely no control over this other than getting on my YouTube channel and complaining about it, you know? And I went to one Reds game. I was ex excited to go back. But right now, I don't know if I want to spend my money to go to a Reds game when you're not willing to spend your money. I mean, we, we have Mike Brown here who's been known as one of the worst owners in, in NFL in, among NFL teams, but I'm sorry. The last couple of years, Mike Brown has done more stuff to try to put a winning football team on the field than Bob Castellini did last year. I'm sorry. He has. They've done more. They're deeper. They're better. They're younger. And all you had to do was get some bullpen. Keep the guys you had, but you wouldn't do it. I don't get it. <sighs> anyway. Okay. Yeah, calm down. I'll bring I'll bring somebody in there. Jerry, can, can, can you can you pull me off the ledge, man? I'm a little I'm a little frustrated, dude. I like this. I'm gonna bring you down really quick here. Just just breathe. We've got somebody about to come on that's gonna blow everybody's mind. Everything's gonna be fine. But okay. Wait, who, who do we have? I'm, I'm sorry, I got so so much of Reds. But who, who do we have on? I forgot. Is it Evan Evan something Evan he's from uh like Pro Football Focus or something uh, like that. Maybe PFF is a lot of people may know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That oh, guy. that guy. All right, all right. That makes me feel better. Now we're gonna put a lot of pressure on Evan. So Evan, it's up there to you, man. You, you have got to bring the show up. So let's get to him. Evan, what's going on, brother? Man, that was uh, that might be the best intro I've ever received from anybody on anything, man. That's wow. I, I need you guys to be there announcing me anytime I walk into a room, so I feel more important. You know, like, hey, everybody, listen up. Here comes the seven guy. He's, he's a pretty big deal. He knows what, the door, it's Evan. He knows what he's talking about, folks. <laughs> yeah, don't make any promises now. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I we gotta get off this 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 Reds thing, man. I'm I'm so frustrated after watching that game. Was, uh let's get to some good news. Let's, let's talk. Let's talk some Bengals here, man. How 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 are the Bengals doing this offseason? How, how do you guys got them ranked in, as far as 
the offseason moves, you know, because I you know, last time I had you on here, it was uh, before the draft. So we got you on after the draft. I know we're about a month after the draft. So we got the draft, we got the free agency, Joe Burrow's back. I mean, how, how what is pro football's focus think about the Bengals right now? Well, let's start with the uh, additions that they had kind of in the offseason in terms of free agency. Um, looking, of course, at their big ticket signing, Trey Hendrickson. Uh, he's been extremely productive in terms of his, his role in a limited capacity. He's clearly not been the full-time defensive end outside starter, but he has come in on those situational pass downs and been extremely productive. The question, of course, has been they gave him that starter level money. Is he going to be able to maintain that level of productivity when he does have that increased workload, when he is on there on passing on non-passing downs or downs where maybe it's not obvious that he can just pin his ears back, have a pass rush plan and go right at it and doesn't have to read run first. So there's going to be some some projection there. Um, generally speaking, um, the sack production outweighed the pressure production, which sacks are valuable and important, but they're not exactly a great year-to-year indicator of future success. They're not very stable, and I've talked to Jeff a little bit about this previously where we were talking about how sacks can be random sometimes, where maybe, you know, like in the early days, Michael Johnson gets – pressure on the quarterback and then pushes him into Carlos Dunlap. Dunlap right. got the sack, but Michael right. Johnson created the pressure, right? So right. there's ways that you can get a sack without necessarily earning the sack, if you want to put it that way. So pressures are a good indicator. And so his pressure total was a little low, and we saw the sack total at very high last season. So you'll expect that to come crashing back down to earth. So I think it's important to have reasonable expectations with Trey Hendrickson where you don't expect him to maybe be that 12-sack guy, but that 8-sack guy, like I think that's reasonable. And I think that's extremely valuable for a Bengals team that struggled to get pressure on the quarterback last year and absolutely needed to add, especially after losing Carl Lawson, who was their only source of pass rush threat last season. So great addition uh, with Trade Hendrickson there in terms of need. Sometimes you do have to overpay for those kind of premium positions at corner or at edge to beat the market. So I understand overpaying a little bit, especially with the need. But overall, we probably would say the, the signing was a little bit overrated, a bit of an overpay. But when you take everything into an account, I don't think it's a grossly uh, outrageous signing or something that you would look at and scoff at and say, oh, they absolutely overspent. It's, again, a premium position. If it's guard, if it's interior defender or linebacker, you're probably a little more frustrated. But for a good edge player, for a team who desperately needs it, you're happy. So how much pressure does that put on on Hubbard to to be, be you know, a, a, a pass rusher, you know, a, a pass, a pre, put pass pressure on on the quarterback from the other side or – or uh, uh, Joseph Osai, yeah, or, or Cam Sample, you know that 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 would would that obviously, I guess, if they get pressure, that would change the the narrative there, right? Right. So um, obviously, they they brought in Larry Ogunjobi, who's another kind of a, a bargain bin. Let's be honest, a bit of a bargain bin free agent signing to where you kind of got a guy who's got a little tread on the tires. He looked good coming into the league. Has had a few down years. They're going to move him back to a more natural position. And they're hoping that putting him in that natural position next to DJ Reader, next to guys like Hendrickson and Hubbard are going to help 
bring out the most in him. I think you'll see him rotate in, and I think you'll see them try and put in like maybe a Tyler Sheldon. We can touch a little bit on the draft picks later, but um, and like we said, rotating in these guys like Joseph Osai, Cameron Sample, who were impressive college prospects who are definitely in need of development, but are still value can be valuable assets to this team when trying to create pressure. Um, there's other signings like Mike Hilton, who's been one of the best blitzing corners in the NFL since entering the league. He's been near the top in pass rushing grade among corners every single year. He's got, I think, 10 career sacks in four years. So he's done a good job of rushing the passer. And when he does being very effective in terms of generating hits and generating sacks. So there's ways that they can create that pressure and get these talented guys on the field to kind of maximize that pass rush. And one thing that has been recently kicked around is moving Trey Hendrickson inside on those mm. passing downs where Sam Hubbard did a little bit of that. Carl, uh, I'm sorry, Carlos Dunlap did a little bit of that. So that can be one way that they can work to get some of these younger pass rushers on the field, get them opportunity, but also rotate this guy because they have depth now that while it's maybe not the highest tier depth, it is depth that is deeper than what they've had and something that they can rely on and help rotate guys to keep them fresh and hopefully get the most out of guys without maybe giving Hendrickson a full-time role, maybe 90, 95% of a full-time role where you try and maintain some of that productivity without asking them to do too much or rely on them too much. Right. Now, just, I'll, I'll let you ask your question or ask what you hear meant in a second, Jerry. Oh, go ahead. I forgot, go ahead. I go to mention this. We got the super chats going on. So if you guys, Want to uh, make a uh, contribution to support the show? The super chats are up in the on the YouTube channel. Go ahead, Jerry. Sorry, Jerry. Much, go ahead. much appreciated for those. Um, I had a quick question about the guys that we signed last year. Mm-hmm. Um, what your opinion is on? Well, my guy Trey Waynes didn't play a snap. Um, we got a whole new secondary now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Right. It's a, it's a whole new pretty, page there. Pretty much. Um, now you're looking, you know, at DJ Reader also couldn't stay healthy through the year. Mike Daniels uh, couldn't stay healthy throughout the whole year, which it didn't really matter towards the end. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I really wanted to know your opinion on – I know we brought in a lot of new guys again this year. and mm-hmm. But how do you feel about those guys that we still have that we signed – pretty big contracts to for DJ reader and Wayne's. And also there's, it's a two part question. Do you see the Bengals bringing back Josh Bynes? Okay. So uh, just really quick to answer that last question. Cause I think it's really easy. I don't know that they do because I think they have a lot of young linebacker talent. Uh, I think they're probably going to rely on Jermaine Pratt to be a little more of that veteran i've been here for a couple years let me show these younger guys how to work but at the same time akeem davis gaither logan wilson they have been in the league and at the same time if you're really just looking for a guy who can be a mentor or a pseudo linebackers coach you can get that for cheaper than what you get josh Bynes for so i feel like if you're really looking for that leadership veteran mentality you can find it for cheaper there's better ways to spend the money that i'm sure the bengals would be happy to save a a little bit of money here and there. So um, attacking the other question, um, I'm a DJ reader stand. I actually got my start uh, when I was a PFF intern uh, with the social media correspondent program. Uh, everybody should go follow your PFF team accounts, especially PFF underscore Bengals. I got all your good uh, Cincinnati Bengals stats and news up there. Um, oh, yeah. 
So I started off with the Texans actually and covering them and kind of keeping a close eye on them. And DJ Reader was a guy who every week looking at the grades, we would have to type up summaries and send them out to the local media. And one guy who always popped up on my kind of list of guys who was going unnoticed or the the data said that they had a good game and maybe went a bit unnoticed was DJ Reader. Mm-hmm. The guy was constantly doing so well. So I was a big DJ Reader stand and I was actually thinking to myself as free agency was progressing, Gosh, looking at the list of people out there after the first wave goes and you're wanting them to be active and you're going, shoot, when's it finally going to come, you know? And then I'm sitting there and looking at the list and I'm going, gosh, you know, it'd be great. DJ reader, but they never go for him because you're looking at the top of the list. You're like, that guy would be great on the top shelf, but like, you're not, you know, you're just It's it's the the Bengals, right? It's the Bengals. They never make any off-season moves. Exactly. (laughs) You look and, you know, you you kind of fancy the idea of the top shelf liquor and you think to yourself, maybe, but then you just go with what you know, right? Right, right, right. (laughs) But uh, they spent up to their credit. They spent up and they got a great player, DJ reader, a really unfortunate injury, but I really think that he can be that anchor on the interior and really help that defensive line in the way that they really needed, especially in terms of run defense last year, Sam Hubbard to his credit is an extremely good run defender has done good, a good job of producing well in the run game, being effective, being efficient in his opportunities and has been despite missing games, been near the top of the NFL among all defensive linemen and defensive run stops. So very good against that run. Of course, we know what he is as a pass rusher, which is okay. Again, Reasonable expectations from your players and understanding what they are is is important, right? Um, so understanding that, uh, we've got DJ Reader, liked him. I think he can really be a big boon for this Bengals defense, and I'm going to be very happy that they have him back, and I think the Bengals will be too. Um, looking at other signings like Trey Waynes, I think Trey Waynes is a good cornerback too in the sense that not necessarily cornerback two on the depth chart, but a guy who can cover your second corner or your second wide receiver, excuse me. Um, not necessarily the guy you'd say, hey, we're going up against the Titans. We need you to cover Julio Jones this week. Or we're going up against um, uh, the Browns and we've got Odell Beckham. We need you to shadow him. Or And, you know, you're not necessarily going to shadow receivers very often. But, you know, you're just not expecting him to necessarily – uh, produce or limit the production of a number one receiver like you would from a typical prototypical cornerback one, right? So, again, reasonable expectations. They paid him a lot of money because you're talking about a premium position like we were with Trey Hendrickson on the open market, right? So mm-hmm. you're going to have to overpay to go get those guys. I'm huge on the importance of defensive backs in the secondary. I think wide receivers and defensive backs in today's NFL, you can't get deep enough at the position, right? Right. You're going to have injuries. You're already going four wide and you're going in nickel and you're going in dime. You have to be deep in your defensive back room, in your wide receiver room for these reasons. And so I, I will be the biggest proponent of the Bengals going cornerback early and probably often this upcoming season um, or offseason for free agency in the draft. But that's another conversation for later. Yeah. We can save that for a show down the road. But yeah. in short, I like Trey Waynes. I don't want to expect too much of him, but I do expect the secondary to be improved from last year because William Jackson, while not having his elite rookie production, was not maybe nearly as bad as everyone may have thought. He was still a quality corner, and especially in man coverage, he was a very quality corner. Um, they obviously had some depth issues after that. LaShawn Sims, despite playing, I think it was just 400 snaps, led the NFL in touchdowns allowed. So just replacing, again, like the offensive line, replacing right. the very, very, very like bottom of the league bat right. with even league average is going right. to be a significant improvement, right? So you get a bunch of these league average guys, 
like a Trey Waynes, like a Chudobia Wouzier, and you start to piece together a pretty good secondary with Jesse Bates in the back end, Vaughn Bell as well. And that's actually a pretty good transition there to another signing that you were talking about is Vaughn Bell, who the first half of the season actually was just picked on. I mean, targeted Mm -hmm. incessantly by defensive coordinators. The first couple weeks, not so much. I think it was the Jacksonville game that he gave up like four catches on four targets for two touchdowns and 80 yards. And suddenly, week after week after that, suddenly he was getting attacked. Almost eight targets, I think, one game. And so they were going at him. They were going at Sean Sims. And to their credit, they made adjustments after the bye. Von Bell's first half of the season stats to second half of the season was much better. I think they were asking him to do a lot more of what he was more comfortable with as opposed to asking him to go out and be that coverage guy. But I think that also kind of plays into the emergence of Jesse Bates. I think – Obviously, we have faith in our players, and we want to believe the best of them. But I don't know if anyone really saw him coming out and playing like the number one safety in the NFL last season. So I think seeing him come along gave them the ability and the comfortability to go, okay, we don't necessarily need Vaughn back there. We can throw him in the box. We can move him around a little bit. And we don't need to ask him to be in coverage and do things he's uncomfortable doing. So I do like the signings that they had last year. It's really tough when you get those injuries and they don't even get a chance to contribute or only have a couple weeks to contribute. And the Bengals really got it bad. I can't remember the exact ranking. I want to say – Um, on the Football Insiders uh, injury index that they do every year to determine uh, games lost by each team due to injury. Um, Removing COVID from the equation, I think the Bengals were like the uh, 26th out of the 32 teams in terms of just games and expected value lost due to injury. So, of course, you would expect that to regress back the other way. So just in terms of being healthier at a lot of positions. I think this defense is going to be better. And I think the offensive line, especially in terms of consistency in each position is going to be a lot better due to that fact. Cool. I, I you covered a lot there. I got a, I got yeah. a question about the, the, <laughs> yeah, rankings. the rankings there for like, you, you, you brought up Jesse Bates and, and uh, I think he's one of, if not the best safety in the league. Mm-hmm. And I read somewhere, I'm doing this off, off the top of my head. If I can remember yeah. right. Pro football focus. I had him as the most underrated, I think, player or safety in the league. And then when they had their rankings for the top Mm -hmm. uh, safeties in the league, he wasn't in the top five or top ten. So I know you didn't do it. It wasn't you. Yes, no, no, no. I understand. Um, Can you you explain how they come from, you know, he's he's the most underrated one to not even make it into the top ten or whatever. Right. So um, just playing devil's advocate here because uh, he actually came in at eighth on those rankings. And while I don't necessarily agree with eight, I can understand not having him like top three or top five just yet. And here playing devil's advocate is why. Jesse Bates was the best safety in the NFL last season. That's, it didn't make, it, and it didn't make the Pro Bowl. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. And that's exactly. That's, Ridiculous. That's good. Deal, right. So. I can say that, right? And we can say also, like, Stefan Diggs. Stefan Diggs was arguably the best receiver last season in the NFL. Does that necessarily mean that Stefan Diggs is the most talented receiver in the NFL? No, we'd probably say someone like Julio Jones who can run 4-3 and is six foot four and weighs 220 pounds, right? But the most talented guy is not always the most productive guy, right? So, And that can change season to season. So it's not a knock on his talent whatsoever. Um, it's more of a testament to he has two prior years of just average to slightly above average in terms of overall grading. So we see a big jump 
which, okay, he took a good jump. He started off as a 60, added up to, I think it was like a 69, and right. then jumped up to a 90. Great that we saw that progression, but again, that's one year of elite production. Now, again, we talk about sometimes you have your worst year, sometimes you have your best year. People like to think of uh, player careers as being linear. I'm going to try and do this backwards so it looks right on your screen, right? So you start off as a rookie here, and you get a little better here, and you get a little better here, and you get a little better here, and that's how your career goes, right? You go straight up like that, right? But that's not the case. Sometimes you come in as a rookie and you're really good, and then you have right. a sophomore slump, and then you go up there and you're good, and then you're back mm -hmm. down. So there's fluctuation, right? And that's especially true when we look year to year, we find uh, sacks, or I'm sorry, not particularly sacks, but uh, just generally pass rushing production, uh, trench play. This mm -hmm. is stuff that's less random, that is more right. consistent year to year, right? So I think the I think it's somewhere around um, a correlation coefficient of about 0.5, which is about 50%. Um, that's pretty high compared to the correlation year to year for secondary play, which is somewhere around the uh, 20 to 25% mark or the 0.2 to 0.25 mark. So significantly more random. And when you think about the plays in the secondary, the jump balls, the batted passes, how much goes into these deep balls and some of these, these plays that go on in the secondary, there's a bit of randomness, more randomness than there is necessarily down in the trenches. So with this in mind, you can expect that Jesse Bates, because he played lights out, top of the league, year out of his mind, he's going to come back down to earth just a little bit because we've seen two years of above average production, right. a year of elite production. It's not saying he's going to be bad. It's right. not saying he's not going to be a top 10 safety. He just might exactly. be the fifth best now. Yeah. He, he might, you got to yeah. take both sides of what, what, what right. he came from and what, what, you know, the, the lows yeah. and the highs. Yeah. And it's, it's always exactly. somewhere in the middle. So, yeah. so he may not finish with a 90, what we call an elite grade, but he may finish with, say, an 82 or an 85, which we'd call a very, very good grade, which would put him in the five to eight range. And that's not a slight at him because Earl Thomas was the number one safety for a year. But guess what? Earl Thomas wasn't the number one graded safety the following year because right, the secondary right. play is just crazy. You, you have one of those years where you have 13 interceptions and then suddenly you have two interceptions. Mm -hmm. Did you suddenly get bad at catching the ball? No, it's just <laughs> the quarterbacks don't, don't get under pressure and then force a right. throw to you. Right. There's a yeah. batted slant that falls in your lap. I mean, there's Million. a bunch of randomness to this, right? There's a bunch of different ways that happens. Carlos Dunlap bats a pass and then you have an easy set. It's yeah. there's so many different ways this stuff can happen. So it's, it's just really playing devil's advocate. Like we said, he's got prior grading that was just at the above average range, so you expect a little bit of regression. Uh, secondary play in general is just very random, so you would expect that to kind of fluctuate a little bit, not even necessarily because his talent level changes, but just because the circumstances in next season will change. And then finally, um, his missed tackles have been higher for a safety in his first couple of years. Um, See, that, that's the defense in general the last couple of years, to be honest. Yeah. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, and a lot of people will point to like, oh, people were losing their minds. I think it was like week three of last year after the Cleveland game, uh, the first one, because he missed a tackle near the goal line. And ever, oh, Jesse Bates can't tackle and all this. Right. And he's not even ah. good. And yeah, no, it was just it was just that one play that sticks out in your mind. Right, and, right. You no, know, he was so valuable in coverage. He really was. And it can't be understated how good he is. And just because he has a low ranking on the totem pole for this and, and there's some debate about whether you could have him or Marcus May or some of these younger guys in front and that maybe Derwin James had one good year also. But we'd also say that, like, he has a little bit more pedigree and draft profile. And as much as we don't want to lend those things or any credence to those things, 
we're also guilty of it too when we sit there and go, <laughs> Xavier Suofilo is a former first round pick. Right, right. Like, yeah. Who cares at this point? We're eight years into the career. He's already right. missed four years. What does it matter that he was picked in the first round or the fourth round or the eighth round? It doesn't <laughs> right. matter, right? Like, what he does on the field matters more. Exactly. As mm-hmm. much as we don't want uh, to lend credence to that, sometimes it matters in terms of, well, first round uh, edge rushers are generally more productive than these guys. But mm-hmm. if you're just telling me, oh, well, we got a first round tackle in free agency, but he's been bad for eight years. I don't care that he's been in the free. <laughs> I don't care that he was taken in the first round. He's a, right. he's a below average NFL offensive lineman. Right. So um, that's just a little bit about what goes on with that ranking. And so um, a lot of times I've seen this with our play caller rankings too, that came out um, a little, people were a little bit upset about those. Cause they go, Oh, well, how do you not have Kyle Shanahan at the top? What's going on with all this? And I would just encourage anybody who sees something and feels that immediate outrage to just take a breath. Firstly, consider that there might be an alternative opinion. So, um, and also more than anything, the headline is written by the editor to get clicks. The article is written by the person trying to explain something. So if you just click on the article real quick, in the first paragraph or two, they'll tell you the methodology or how they came up with that. Right. So if you look at the methodology for that article, for an example, the play caller rankings, they go, well, why is Kyle Shanahan not at the top? Why is John Gruden in here? Why is Sean McVay not in here? And it goes, okay, well, if you look at the methodology, it essentially says it's just a ranking according to your achievement over your expectation. So, and that's just an interesting way to think about a coordinator, right? Is it necessarily the best schemer who's got the most back Swiss army knives in their back pocket to pull out, right? All these right. trick plays. No, it's looking at it from the perspective. A lot of people do that. And there's nothing wrong with that. It has extreme value and is important. But just, again, we're in the off season. Let's look at things from a different perspective. Some people, if you ask them, what are the best play callers? Might go Shanahan, McVay, and so on. But when you look at this, people might go, wait, John Gruden, has he really been that good? Let me go back and look in. Oh, wow, John Gruden actually has been good. You know what? I would I would put him there. And it just gets you thinking differently, right? And so when you look at these things, just in terms of expected points, you get a different list, which, of course, if we did the same list where it was, oh, here's the best player callers. It's Andy Reid. It's Kyle Shanahan. It's John McVay. Everyone does that. Let's look at it from a different perspective. Let's challenge our priors and see what we can glean from this to just write them off and say, oh, Kyle Shanahan's not in the top five. There's no value to this. Well, no, it's, it's not. You can take it with a grain of salt and say, okay, well, he had a lot of injuries last year. He probably had issues with that, trying to achieve above expectation or what they were expected because he had a lot of replacement level players. That can make it hard for anybody to achieve that. So really it's just a unique way to look at an offensive coordinator from the perspective of, here was the expectation of these players based in these situations, and they got more than expected, which right. is an interesting way to think of a coordinator, right? If, if you just think about what would the best coordinator do, he would get more out of his players than what they should be able to do just by themselves, right, on that baseline level. So, again, these are just ways to look at you. Un- these are unique perspectives, different ways. So before you get too frustrated, just kind of humor, humor PFF, humor anybody. Just And the same thing with even film guys. You know, if I say – Colton Miller is the worst tackle all of a sudden after his first year. I'm not even going to listen to anybody who says he's any good. Especially that Evan guy. Jeez, you're not listening to that guy anymore. (laughs) Question me. You know, (laughs) I think you're wrong on this. And then we can look at the data. We can have a conversation. And, you know, I mean, there's maybe things that you're seeing that I'm not or things that I see or have considered that maybe you haven't. And I think that's a really important conversation. And uh, if you listen to the Sean McVay, Zach Taylor 
interview that came out on the ringer the other week um sean mcveigh was asked about that you know how how big are you on analytics how big are you on being a tape guy where do you fall and he said you really need to have a balance on both otherwise you're really missing out and exactly. that's really the key analytics is not the answer right. the film right. is not going to tell you everything by itself it's gonna there's things we're blind to sometimes that we don't necessarily see or places we don't know to look until you look at those numbers and go wait a second when they're in man coverage, they're losing the, well, let's go back and take a look real quick. And then suddenly you see that and now you're going, oh, I wasn't even looking for that before, but now I know to look for it, right? So it's 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 just another way to help you be a better football fan, a better evaluator, just to understand more of what's going on and also know which direction to look. Exactly. Yeah, Jerry, you got something? Yeah, uh, you know, I don't want to go back, but we were – <laughs> we I know. Were, I tend to ramble I, and get way over here, bro. <laughs> yeah. you're, you're, hey, it's okay. We're good. You're do in this. the right uh -huh. space. Uh huh. Yeah. You're, yeah. Right. You're, you're good with us. <laughs> we can do this all day long. Sometimes we do. So, uh, but um, you know, I noticed what you said about Trey Waynes from last mm -hmm. year. Um, we brought in Awuzie, mm -hmm. Hilton, um. Oh, well, Mike Hilton Silver, uh, the signing. I didn't get to say that earlier. Sorry. Love I mean, that. Yeah. I'm, I'm a big Mike Hilton stand. Yeah. Eli, Eli Apple, you Eli got Ricardo Allen, all, all the secondary guys they brought. Yeah, back to the Allen. depth is so much better than it was last season. I'll let exactly. you know. Exactly. There you go. And so what I was wondering is mm -hmm. from PFF standpoint, it sounds to me like you're not going to put Trey Waynes as our number one cornerback in your opinion yeah who would be our number one then if he's not that's a good question i i think it has to be trey waynes i think you're probably miscasting him a little bit and it's it's a bit overrated right when you say oh this guy's the corner one he's going to cover this guy a lot of teams play left and right cornerback or don't necessarily have you traveling across the field and following a guy you're not in man coverage sometimes um sometimes ha uh you just It's it's tough. I don't want to disparage Trey Waynes. I, I, I feel I like I'm ragging on the guy. You actually got him tongue-tied, Jeremy. Hey, I, 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 I feel bad because I'm sitting here saying like, oh, this guy is like he's he's solid at his job, but he's not good. But like, look, like the the reality is like he's graded as an average corner almost every single year, which is great because you love to see that consistency, right? right. If you can give me a guy and say he's going to give you league average play. Shoot, I will sign 5, 10, 12 of those guys. No right. problem. I'm happy to have them, right? It's just, again, he doesn't have those elite traits, those elite tools that give you that, that added ability, that added benefit at positions like edge, like corner, because you don't need to be an elite athlete to be a good linebacker or necessarily be a great safety or a box safety, you know, or maybe you're not a free range, single high, middle of the field guy. But there's ways you can overcome that athleticism with your instincts, with your burst with your get off, with understanding the game and having that recognition, it's really tough to do that at places like corner and like edge that demand high level athleticism. So again, I'm not trying to rag on the guy. I think he's probably the best corner consistently right. and is the guy I would want to cover their number one. If we're talking man to man or shadowing or moving around. Right. Um, I do have faith that, they have a lot of average corners. And sometimes when there's not necessarily one Holy Grail, Byron Jones type guy where you can sign them, 
take $5 million a piece and throw some darts at the board because, man, if you hit on one of those, the value you get back on that is exceptional. And if he's of average to below average, you paid $5 million and you're just happy to have the depth at that point. Well, that's the thing, too, is if we get average play in our secondary and we get average play from our our pass rush and and our run defense, Mm -hmm. that's better than what we've had the last couple years. And the thing is, if you get that, with our above average, I think, offense. We haven't even got to that side of the ball yet. That's where I think, which, no, which is fine. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not right. This is, I love all this information. Um, yeah. But the, to me, that's where the difference comes in for the Bengals to have a successful season. We need at least average plays yes. on our offensive line, and average on our defense. We need, at least need to get to that because the way this offense, in my opinion, could be, it could be, you know, I think it could be a top two or three offense in the league this year, as long as you get average play out of everybody else. And if you're asking for average play from everybody else and you're counting on this, which I don't think it's a big stretch to think that you're counting on this great play from this off this offense, I think you got a shot at having a pretty good team. What what is your thoughts on like the 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 Bengals offense? How 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 high do you have them graded like the wide receivers? To me, I think it's probably one of the best trios in football, which I know is hard to say because we now haven't seen uh uh Jamar Chase on an NFL fil- field, but mm-hmm. We pretty much know he's, he's going to be pretty damn good. He's the fifth pick overall. So yeah. go ahead, Evan. Um, so, again, you touched on it there. Tough to say anything concrete and make any particular right. stand um, without Jamar Chase uh, having played it down yet. And with right. that being said, I'm going to now stand on the table and stand for Jamar Chase. So exactly. uh, we've talked about it a Pound little bit. Pound that table, baby. Pound that table. Yeah, now, now that I've, uh, now that I've hedged a little bit, <laughs> I'm going to go full force into the Jamar Chase. <laughs> here. Okay. So yeah. Right. Um, obviously we've talked about this a little bit. Uh, I'll just run through it because we've talked about this, but it's still worth bringing up again, just to show how special of a prospect this guy is because after a while the talk got so tired of, Oh, well, it's just another wide receiver. It's just flashy. It's just another fantasy football player. You don't want you you know, O-line bias. You hate the big guy. No. All right. That's this guy was really exceptional. He was winning. He was the best wide receiver in the NFL's minor league at 19 years old, beating up on NFL corners. Um, Particularly when we look at Joe Burrow targeting Jamar Chase and that kind of relationship, Joe Burrow had a 95.4 passing grade when targeting him, a 142.3 passer rating, 16 deep touchdowns in one season, Uh which was absurd, Uh and 85 first down completions. So this was a guy he went to on crucial downs, on touchdowns, deep. After the catch, before the catch, deep ball. He's he's good at everything, and people go – yeah, but he's stiff, and he's not my natural type of receiver. He's not shifty and electric like Jalen Waddle or something. And look, I'm an Alabama fan. I love Jalen Waddle. I love Devontae Smith. Oh, uh, you, been... you, you, you just done lost Jeremy. You just, you just done lost I'm, Jeremy. I'm sorry. Hey, no. We'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll erase that part from, yeah, from the show. Oh, uh, yeah. That never happened. Just block that. Men in black yourself, that part. From the, uh, from the floor, right? But uh, no. And so uh, here's something you might like to know then. Um, Jamar Chase actually forced missed tackles at a higher rate than Jalen Waddle, than Devontae Smith, than Rashad Bateman, these other receivers that we're seeing Boom. as more shifty and nimble. And the thing is, people are discounting the strength he has, the ability to not necessarily even shatter angles because he moves 10 feet laterally to the right, but just a little subtle nuance of I'm going to slightly turn my body this way. And then suddenly I've been this way. And now you can't get a full hand on me. And by the way, I'm built like a running back and I have the strength yeah. of an ox. And yeah. now I'm 
putting you on the ground. Like I'm going to run you over. He's and so you good the at the catch. It's he is hunting for people, and he's right. going to give the Bengals that ability after the catch that they haven't had in a receiver mm-hmm. since Muhammad Sanu, like Andrew Hawkins. Like I mean, that's like it's oh, yeah, he's, he's he's different than AJ. AJ, AJ right. was was a contortionist. He 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 oh, would right. he, he would body get, control. Yes, yeah. he would make the plays at the point of of the at the point of the ball. Jamar right. can beat you off the ball. He can beat you in a slant. He can he can beat you by at, at the point of the ball too. He can beat you in multiple multiple. Not that AJ could. I'm not trying to down downgrade AJ Green at all. I'm just saying yeah. that, that I think. Oh, I'll get there. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> and like Evan was saying though about Chase being built like a running back. When I watched his pro day. I'm down here in the south. I live in Alabama. He lives in Alabama, way. and he hates yeah, Alabama. Yeah, yeah. North North Alabama, from Ohio, schooled, raised, but work down here now. He's anyway, a uh, hey, oh yeah, okay. <laughs> Still a Buckeye though, man. Still, Still a Buckeye. Buckeye. Hey, but we're cool. We're Eagle. I'm all right. We're cool. That's right. All right. Um, but you know, when I when I saw him at his pro day, and I saw the size of his thighs. And his legs. It's wild, isn't it? You're used yeah. to have you're used to having these chicken leg receivers, right? Yeah. Like so skinny and tiny. And that dude is I, I want him yeah. hopping off the bus first, man. Like <laughs> send him know. out there. Shoot. Like, yeah. What's up, big school? Yeah. Appreciate it, brother. Yeah, but man, I mean, it's like the guy could push a school bus if he wanted to. I mean, you know what I mean? He's just got that power. He's in his got, I mean, to, to use a, a, tr- a common trope, he's built different. I mean, he really yeah. is. Like yeah. he's just yeah, he's a little bit shorter than maybe you'd like, but at the same time, that height doesn't appear quite the opposite. Actually, his his ball tracking, his timing on the on the jump, and to get the point uh, the ball at its its apex coming down at the highest point that he can get to it, his ability to stack and get that leverage on the defender and then maintain it because of how solid he is is exceptional. And then his hands are exceptional too. I mean, it's. And to say that he was only 19 at that point, and I think anyone who looked at his tape and then looks at his <laughs> um, his testing numbers would say he got faster. Yeah. He got more explosive. And mm-hmm. I think you see that when you look at the training camp videos. People were breaking down how he was running some of those out routes, and you see him doing things that are more technical that maybe he didn't do before where maybe he would have rounded out some of his routes over his in-breaking routes, and now he's doing a lot more of breaking down that route, sitting in the chair, as they say, and then bursting out of that stance, that crouch stance, giving him more explosion on top of his athletic development that he's had as well. So it's really exciting to consider – what he could be because he was so impressive as a 19 year old. Right. And you're telling me this guy got more athletic, right. more refined as a pass yeah. route, as a route runner, <laughs> which is like one of the few areas he needed to improve in. And I'm sure there's still ways to go with that and with also beating press, but he has all the physical traits. He has everything you want chemistry with the quarterback already proven track record of working with him. And it's, it's exceptional. And just to touch on the AJ Green thing, again, paying lip service to how great he's been for the Bengals organization. They aren't where they are today, especially in terms of image and public right. image without him, right? right? And he was a consummate professional, extremely well, one of the best receivers in the NFL. And, you know, everybody will always think about how good could he have been if he was with a more consistent quarterback, right? With all of that said, yeah. Uh, AJ Green last season was a black hole for targets and destroyed the Bengals offense. Um, There were 49 receivers who had 80 or more targets last season. Okay. 
He had 101 targets on the season and only caught 46.5% of them, which ranked 49th dead last. A 56.7 passer rating when he was targeted, 49th dead last. PFF grade ranked 46 out of 49 qualifying receivers. And his 1.02 yards per route run, which basically says how efficient you are in terms of your yards per the route you're running, 49th out of 49. So he was so inefficient with those targets in terms of catching them, producing yards, yards after the catch. And again, nothing to disparage how exceptional a player he's been in his career. It's just injuries and age take a toll. And especially at these positions where, again, we talked about athleticism matters so much. And so as that dwindles a little bit and as the health starts to go, like we saw kind of a shell of A.J. Green. And if you just take those 101 targets and give them to Jamar Chase, I, that's what I'm saying. You're giving you're giving a better offensive line to Joe Burrow and the Bengals with right. more consistency because you're not going to have guys coming in True. four days before and then playing three different positions in five weeks. Right. You're not going to have this shifting. Yeah, you're going to have an injury to your right guard or your left tackle, but it'll be that one spot and the rest will stay the same. It's not right. going to be the the musical chairs, the cup shifting that's been happening. It's I I put out a tweet a couple weeks ago. It was like. I think it was something like uh, north of 3,500 snaps that were played by offensive linemen last season that are either not on the roster or not projected to play as starters. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's you can't overestimate the, cons- the the consistency and the continuity on that offensive line to where even if they just replace, like we said, those really bad offensive linemen with league average players, you get significantly better. Then you get better technique from losing Jim Turner and getting Frank Pollock in there. Now mm-hmm. you're getting better coaching. And then all of a sudden, everything's starting to come together. You get a little bit of injury regression in your favor, and now you're only losing one guy instead of four. And suddenly, you're playing behind a better offensive line with a significantly better wide receiver, we would expect, because he can actually run and move around the field capably. And you start adding all this together. Joe Burrow looks like he's coming back healthy. The guy's already out there throwing, and he's at 80 or 85%. Like, exactly. This is- I, well, and the thing is, bionic. Is there is there metal in there? Did they put circuits and everything? Like, what is <laughs> yeah, this? Right. I, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know. And mind you, the movie too. Short Circuit. You know, it, it just <laughs> right? Yeah. And the thing too with with Joe Burrow, uh, I want to get I want to get on, on to T Higgins too. But with Joe Burrow, he not only rehabbed his knee, but he also increased his arm strength. That's that the that, yeah. That's, that's the gonna make deal. A, yeah. That's, that's gonna make a deal. Big, Big difference mm-hmm. in the deep ball and just in general. I mean, T. Higgins is added. I he think he's. I think he's added like some some. I don't want to say a number because I don't remember what it was, but I know he's added some weight and he's yeah. he's gotten stronger and he's gotten better. So I and we keep talking about Jamar Chase and Jamar Chase, which Jamar Chase is going to be good, but we can't forget about T. T's going to be good. You, you, T's you going to be good. Tyler Boyd. Boyd. PFF is PFF Ooh. will sing Tyler Boyd's oh, praises from the top of the hilltops for all time. I mean, it's yeah. he's Amen. underrated. He doesn't get enough credit. He's You're constantly right. up there as one of the most efficient, one of the best with high volume, with being the number one actual receiver, even though he's running from the slot, being the established guy, having to be the go-to guy on these critical downs. He's been consistently one of the best receivers in the league on money downs, on third and fourth downs, on downs where you need a conversion. He has been consistent. I mean, shoot, everyone remembers that Andy Dalton to A.J. Green touchdown in the Falcons game there to win it. But shoot, it was Tyler Boyd who had two fourth down right. conversions on a nice mm-hmm. whip out that got him there. Yo. So it's 
He's really coming to his own from where he exactly. started to where he is. You can't say enough about his development. And T, of course, came in. And oh. I tried to temper my expectations for him coming in. Obviously, he has the first-round pedigree, the right. exceptional tape. The only drawback was you were looking at his athleticism and saying, it's good, it's maybe plus-plus, but not elite tier. It's not top of round one, top half of round one toward a tier. But he looked a lot better, I think, as a rookie. And adding that explosion and adding muscle without losing that explosion is a really, really exciting prospect that he's putting out there. For him to remake his body like that, to to lose some of the fat he had and put on muscle and also mm -hmm. just to have, again, we we're talking about guys who came in as rookies and were exceptional in a COVID-shortened offseason with no training with without limited all this right. it's all this, dealing yeah. with all this as you're also a rookie trying to be in this league among men where uh -huh. you're still 21 years old and you're i mean yeah. shoot you remember what you were doing at 21 like <laughs> we, we don't we don't want to talk about that right now right i feel like i'm just starting to get my life Edit. together you know so it's like yeah i can't imagine being right you know, thrust into the NFL in this new environment and new city with new teammates and all this. And right. also you got COVID going on and there was so much in the air. So them having this off season to and they, and they all showed shape. up and they all and showed every up. Single one of them. Yep. And, and that's good. the culture, the culture yes. for Joe Burrow that he talked about the edge, mm -hmm. Jesse big showing up, the veteran mm -hmm. showing up, everyone is so on board. And for what you may want to say or feel about Zach Taylor, for his, his coaching in terms of scheme, you cannot argue that everyone in the locker room right now is on board with this image, with this message, with this team right now. And while we may not be able to quantify that at PFF, we're not going to discount the right. the importance of the human element of the game. Yeah, exactly. I, I had uh, Jay Morrison from The Athletic on yesterday, and he said the exact same thing. Because, I mean, we for like the last two years, you know, the national media is like, oh, you know, this – Locker room is terrible and and yada yada yada, but it but that's all from that was mostly coming from well actually it was all coming from Marvin guys. Zach's got his guys in there now, and for yeah. them to all show up for for OTAs when ninety percent of all the other NFL teams actually I would love to know I don't know this the stat but did anybody else have a hundred percent participation in OTAs other than the Bengals? I don't I don't know the numbers on that, but I kind of I kind of highly doubt that or I kind of think that they're the only ones that had that this is definitely on the lower side yeah right. i know there's a lot of people opting out or just not even showing up or i mean right. shoot yeah you've got people skipping camp for various reasons for contracts right. for just personal health reasons which you know you respect and but at the same time yeah it's it's really nice to see that everyone seems to be on the same page coming into the year like you said you don't see that disgruntled aspect which you kind of understand as people are getting close to contract negotiations who might not as the team comes to terms and the player comes to terms and they understand we're not going to have a future together or, you know, maybe someone's upset with their role. I think people are getting on the same page here to where you can see that continuity with the team. And that's super important. And I think that is going to be extremely valuable to them, especially with the young guys that they're going to be relying on having that chemistry, having that understanding and having this off season to really work together as a unit is going to do wonders for them, especially with all the new faces. Exactly. Now th this brings me to hold on, Jeremy. Let me get this out. Oh, of you're good. Go ahead. I, I, I gotta sh I gotta show 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 Evan my, my uh, orange sunglasses look on the uh, on the uh, season here. Now this is this oh, okay. is what, what I, I said on the season, and it's it's all just because <laughs> it's probably like I said, I probably get orange sunglasses on eleven six is is you know bold as uh, <laughs> Jay Morrison said yesterday to me on the show. But 
yes. the way the schedule is is lined up, there's a very, very good chance going into that Green Bay game, we could be four and oh. And then I mean potentially going to the Detroit, you know, after Detroit four and four and one, you know, five and oh. See, I mean, they're the only one that team that honestly really kind of scares me a little bit is Minnesota because they, they are a pretty well coached team. I, you know, Zim's a good coach. The other ones, we have the better quarterback in every single one except for Aaron Rodgers. That is if he's in Green Bay. And then you got mm-hmm. Detroit. So you, we can get off to a very, very good start. And if our offense is as electrifying as I think it's going to be and as unstoppable as I think it's going to be, once you get up to that good start, who knows what happens to the, to the rest of the season. But that's that's where I'm at as far as the season. I know. I know, I, I, I know it's, it's way over-optimistic, but – I, I kept trying to find ones like, well, we can lose that one. And I'm like, damn it, we can win a lot. <laughs> I'm like, I just think when you got Joe Burrow and he's coming back uh, fully healthy, you got a, a good offense line, you got a good defense, and you have a great offense. Mm-hmm. The, these are, this is what the Kansas City Chiefs did to win their first Super Bowl. I mean, that's their offense. Their, their, their offense was awesome. Their defense was, is all right. You know, they added some pieces here and there down the stretch to make it a little better, but it wasn't like a juggernaut or anything. And the way, uh, football's played down, it's more offensive. You know, I know the whole thing is defense wins championships. Yeah, it does, but offense wins more often than not now, I think. Anyway, go ahead, Jeremy. I know you wanted to say something. Oh, no. That that that, that was that was close to it. Um, pretty much all I was going to ask Evan about was one thing I love to read was where's some CJ Ooh. Um, um, um fans here and when he when he said his joe burrow has come back from his rehab and that people have talked about his arm strength they've talked about his upper body strength even i did i'll admit it when he first came out of college i said i think that he needs to you know work on his arm no. strength i knew I he would. Back to that was peyton manning didn't have a very good strong arm sure. look, but, look how that worked <laughs> yeah and i didn't think he would do half as good as he did last year you know but when C.J. Ozama, a 6-7 beast of a tight end who had his best four games in a row ever last year behind Burrow, says, I ran a 15-yard slant and had to go and get gloves because he was throwing (laughs) the ball so hard. Exciting, isn't it? That is. I mean, that's what you want. I mean, it's so – so, so there's no more complaining about arm strength. If you got a guy like CJ Ozama catching 15 yard slants and he's got to get gloves, um, yeah. that should be squashed, in my opinion. Um, I don't know how you feel about Burrow coming back. I know we want to do it slowly in the right way, but that's kind of what brought me into this. Was how do you feel about Burrow coming back? Maybe a a series in a preseason game. Maybe a little bit uh, training camp. What do you think? I want to. I, I, I want to add on to that too. Talk, yeah, talk about ahead. the. I want to add on that real quick. Talk, talk about the uh, the tight end room with with CJ and Sample and Thaddeus too. So uh, you could roll roll that into that too as well. Go ahead. Yeah. Um. So I definitely think that you're going to have a hard time trying to tell Joe Burrow that he's not going to get any preseason work. I think he would fight you on that pretty dang hard. Yeah, right. Uh, I think he's itching. Yes. To get back out yep. He wanted to get hit last um, year, remember? Yep. Right. And so, and yeah, we, we do want to do a little bit of protecting Joe from himself. Uh, you definitely want to temper your expectations. But 
he seems to have a very grounded reality and understanding of this to where he's not going to push himself back too quickly. Mm -hmm. He may be eager to get out there, but I feel like he has a good understanding of if I rush out there and have a setback, right. That's foolish of me. Right. I'm, I'm eager, but I'm going to be cautious about it. I'm going to wait until I feel a hundred percent before I say, Hey, I'm a hundred percent, put me out there. But the yeah. second he feels a hundred percent, you know, he's going to tell him, no, I don't want any restrictions, you know, like go ahead, full send on that. Right. So I think he's going to be reasonable in his eagerness, but I also think you're going to have a hard time keeping him out. So I do see him maybe playing like a series in a preseason game, maybe two or so, but just something to shake the rust off a little bit, you know, get under the lights, you know, touch the ball a little bit on some live action, get, get roughed up a little bit, you know, just yeah. take it, take a hit or two. So it's, um, it's, I think you see him a little bit, but I don't think you see him too much. I think if he's feeling good and they feel good about what they've seen in practice, that there's no reason to force him into a preseason game other than let him just get out there and just get the feel again. You know, just get out there on some grass, play one series, a couple handoffs, maybe play action or something, just easy to get him out there and just nothing serious. So um, going to the tight ends, um, you did see Drew Sample take a step forward uh, last year, especially as a blocker. Um, he was a more of a factor in the passing game. And while he wasn't necessarily running down the seam or doing anything crazy like that, it was a lot of check downs. It was a lot of Joe Burrow finding him as a last ditch effort sort of deal, but to see him be a safety valve after wondering, you know, what's the plan for him after the first year to see him at least contribute, especially as a blocker. He was actually a top 15 blocker, I think, in pass blocking and then top five in run blocking among tight ends last year. So he was a quality blocker and a plus run blocker, which they definitely could use that extra help uh, on that offensive line. And I think that that's encouraging for someone, especially who came in profiled as a blocker with that pass catching upside. So hopefully with his training, with more time, you can see him develop with Joe Burrow. And as we know, Joe Burrow is going to get the most out of all of his receivers. So oh, yeah. even if you can't separate, yep. he can put it in a place where only you can get to it and give you these opportunities to make the most of what you can get. And so I think he will work well. I think him and Azoma are going to have a nice little rotation going on. I did like to see how Zach Taylor kind of used his tight ends in a couple of games, but um, particularly I remember the Seattle game. It was like there was almost 10 targets between Drew Sample and Azoma as well. And there was these tight end screens and all these different nifty ways to utilize them, and then all of a sudden it disappeared like that. Yeah. It was yeah. like, oh, that's really interesting. I'd like to see more of that, and then suddenly right. it was gone. So yeah. um, part of that is Sample got hurt a little bit toward the end of the year, and you know he's still coming back, and then Uzoma got hurt. So you haven't necessarily seen them on the field or in the rotation of what they may ideally want to do and how they want to use them. But I think Sample took an encouraging step forward, became the blocker that we know him to be, and hopefully he can take another step forward as a pass catcher too. He caught the checkdowns. He was a safety valve. Mm -hmm. Hopefully they can see him because this was a guy who was raw and didn't get a lot of passing work in college as well. So there is, again, reasonable expectations for our guys, right? Mm -hmm. It's not his fault he was drafted in the second round. <laughs> right. As much as we may disagree with it, yeah, it's right. not his fault understand what he is, be happy with the development that he has and that he's not going the other way. Like, you know, maybe he's some picks like Paul Dawson, who, you know, just never contributed. Be happy to be getting anything out of that because if you really got nothing out of that, then you're really hurting on that second round pick that you wasted, right? So right, 
Um, hopefully they don't force feed to try and prove the point or anything along those lines, but I don't think they have, and I don't think they will. So, um, and then also Thad Moss, I think is a, a nice piece, uh, maybe helps out on special teams, but he is a more undersized guy. Who's not quite the NFL athlete at that position, but is a guy who it's nice to bring in for, you know, being friends with Joe and Tyler and Jamar. And, you know, you got the, the LSU North up here going on in Cincinnati now. So you bigger boys. (laughs) <laughs> right. It's fun. It's a fun ad. It's like Tim mm-hmm. Tebow. Like if you get anything out of him, great. And if not, then like he was a good story and, you know, was fun in the locker room. Right. right. So, well, I'll just go ahead and tell you, um, Tyler Shelvin's going to have to be good because you, you, I came you, up with his nickname. Yes. So, he, you know, what's, what's the nickname? He's got to be the man. He is Big Daddy Bayou, bro. Right wow. there he is. Look at that. Look at him looking across. You you see that guy looking across. You turn around. You walk across the street. I don't care if it's, if it's an old gas station. If you're looking for a bathroom, you don't walk past that boy. <laughs> He's built like a brick house, man. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, no, he, he's going to be great on that interior. I think he's going to be – he's going to add some nice depth behind Reader to help keep him fresh, and then I think he's going to help them improve their run defense and probably their goal line defense. He'll definitely have a limited role, but I yeah. do think he will have an impact. Uh, Orange Arrow's got a question for you here, Evan. Uh, he wants to know, do you play fantasy? Absolutely. I am in a home league, and I always end up in a couple of random leagues just trying out uh, – different types of, of scoring settings. Um, there's always new stuff coming out in the fantasy realm. So I try and play with it as much as I can uh, to try and understand everything that's coming out, try and do things like super flexes to quarterback that are, that are a little different to experiment to maybe bring back home to the, the home league where I'm a commissioner. Um, I also play in a dynasty league and uh, have been exposed to that a little bit with some, some defensive players. So that's a lot of fun. I, I get pretty deep in the weeds when it comes to fantasy around the, uh, around football season. Well, I got another fantasy league that, that you should join. You should join the orange arrow. Oh, uh, he's got it pinned to the top of his Twitter page and the proceeds along with the jackpot Joe, Joey Burrow shirts, they're two different things, but they all the proceeds for both those go to the Joe Burrow Hunger Relief Foundation. So oh, you awesome. should definitely check check that out if you uh if you're into fantasy, check it out. Absolutely. I mean, I'm going. I mean, I'll Evan. I'll just throw it out there. I'm I've played fantasy once and I'm planning on <laughs> winning the whole damn thing. So I'm just telling you right now, I'm going to crush it. Hey, that's everyone, right? If you if you don't right. believe you're the best, who's going to? Right, right, right. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm up to that million, you know, and you know I just hey, yeah, hey, you got your eyes on the prize. That's the big yeah. thing. Bragging rights yeah. are great, but a million dollars, you're in Hawaii while everyone else is at work. Who needs to and, brag? And you know, you know the first person I'm calling, right? Me. Hey, this, this this guy over here, or whatever. <laughs> you know. over, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, we, 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 we will. He went with the million bucks. We will be doing the podcast, and that will be the only thing we do. We don't have to do jobs. We don't have to do anything else. Oh, right, right? Yeah, just time. call Bengals and Reds all day. Shoot. Yeah, exactly. That'd be awesome. <laughs> my background will be the ocean and a mai tai, man. You, you know, <laughs> we'll be like, well, what the Bengals do, dude? I don't know. I was drinking all day. I don't remember. <laughs> I know we won. That's all that matters. Oh shoot, Sunday's not good i'm gonna be drinking all day watching yeah. <laughs> right exactly exactly all right evan man you've been awesome as always i appreciate you coming on the show let's Absolutely, try to do it man. again like august or something like right before the season starts and uh and what 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 do you got new on uh pro football focus what do you guys uh concentrate on right now in the off season and tell everybody your uh, twitter handle where they can follow you at 
Oh, man. We've got a lot of stuff cranking out on the website right now. Uh, talking on fantasy a little bit. We've got best ball. It's best ball season. So if you need anything uh, to help you out oh, with Oh, shit. Ball, there's Jeremy. Best ball. Oh, is a, go get some best ball help there at PFF, man. And uh, no, it's uh, you can pay, I think it's like $10 for a subscription. For It's it's super cheap. It's, I think, $30 for the year-long subscription. You get all the fantasy tools that you need to help you out with your draft understanding that you get the fantasy draft guide when that comes out like you could not be more prepared with that stuff so something to consider you have it for this season you have it for next season so you can look at that um that also gets you access to player grades so check out that edge description but a lot of fantasy stuff coming out a lot of fun off-season content stuff coming out too with articles looking at play caller rankings stuff like uh the best draft pick at each slot over the last 15 years. So a bunch of fun stuff going on over there. You should go check it out. Uh, definitely for fantasy. And also there's a college football preview coming out for the first time from PFF here near the end of the month. So keep Where an eye out for that. That's going to be really great. Where do you get the Bearcats ranked? That's all I want to know. I don't care about anybody else. Where's the Bearcats? I, it's going to be mum's the word on that. That's that's like <sighs> lock and key in a, in a dark oh, man. room and an undisclosed oh, location. And yeah, oh. that's, that's uh, that. that's Seth Molina that. and Anthony Trash's baby, man. That's not that that's not seeing info. the light of day. <laughs> I need that inside info, man. <laughs> Me too, man. I want it. I want it. What's up? Uh, what's your Twitter handle? And I'll let you get on out of here. Yeah, bro. Uh, you can go ahead and find me at, at E. McPhil. Um, just how it sounds. Evan McPhillips, E. McPhil. And also go follow PFF underscore Bengals. And we'll get all the PFF relevant data, information, articles. You can find it in one place. So if you say, hey, I don't care what PFF says, except <laughs> it's about the Bengals. Exactly. <laughs> we got you. Go ahead. Pop over that Twitter account and hit follow. And we'll get you everything you need. Awesome, awesome stuff, Evan. As always, dude, thanks. You got a lot of information. I, I enjoy the crap out of it. I don't know. I don't know if anybody else likes watching it, but I do. I, I enjoy listening to you. Dude, not ramble. You you spit out a lot of information. Extended <laughs> uh extended talking. Yeah, hey, I, that's 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 what I do for an hour every day, you know, extended talking. So I, I'm, yeah. I'm good with it. <laughs> I, you know, I would even say extended knowledge. Yes, you, that's, 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 that's what better. I would say. Hey, I listen to people a lot smarter than me, and then I just let that come back out. You know? <laughs> There you go. Well, we appreciate it, brother. Hey, yeah, no, exactly. I appreciate you guys having me on, man. Talking bangles is always a lot of fun. Exactly. All right, brother. You take it easy. Who day? Who day? Who day? All right, guys. I hope you guys enjoyed that. I know I did. I did. So, uh, all right. So let's do. So Shannon goes, yes, the Reds bullpen sucks. That was the that was the title of my of the show today. Is the Reds bullpen yeah, sucks? Didn't didn't quite make it there. <laughs> no, uh, the bullpen bullpen is annoying, and I. And, and Shannon, if you're just joining the show, I rambled on for about 10 minutes about the Reds bullpen at the beginning of the show. So uh, you can always go back and watch it on the YouTube channel or on the podcast, which we on later on tonight. Um, let's uh, get to this real quick because we are less than two weeks away. A week from a week from this Saturday, we got uh, Bengal Jim's uh, Jungle to the Hall. Uh, if you guys have not registered, we need to get every single Bengal fan that we can up there. Uh, this is a rally to try to get Ken Riley and Ken Anderson into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. This needs to happen. So, like I said, it starts at 10 a.m. at Maxwell High School. You get to go check out where Paul Brown started his coaching career. You can see a Paul Brown statue, walk on the field, all that stuff. If you can't make it for that, at least show up at 1 o'clock. 1 to 3 is the rally. That's when we need everybody to show up and support Ken Riley and Ken Anderson and tell the Pro Football Hall of Fame that they need to be in. And, and, and to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. <laughs> so make sure you guys show up. Um, it is pinned to the top of Bengal Jim's Twitter. So please make sure you guys register 
that always helps so we know how many people are coming. That would be awesome. And other than that, Jeremy, hold on. I got to put Crips here. Not known as Dimebag Dean. <laughs> oh, actually, you know what? There's one more thing. I, I, one more comment I want to get up here before we roll on out of here. It was, uh, where is that? It was, it was Foxy. He was talking smack to you about your, about your golf game. Oh yeah, yeah. He yeah. yeah we, we, we had yeah. a little scramble last yeah. night going yeah. back. Yeah, he said he said you look a little nervous. Are you scared? Yeah. Are you scared, Jeremy? Are you scared of Foxy? You see behind my shoulder, bro. You see that Buckeye helmet over? It's sitting over top of Ricky Fowler's clubs right now. And wait, you stole, you stole Ricky Fowler's clubs? Pretty much. Why did and you steal? Was, that, that's not very nice at all. You should give it back to well, me. It is what it is. He, he he's got the money. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, all right. Let's get to the Facebook groups that let me live stream. And I, as always, appreciate every single one of you guys. It is Who Day Nation. Since I Bengals the Jungle, Bengals Nation, Bengals Who Day Nation, Bearcat Country, Ohio State Bucknuts, the Ice Bar. And then you can always follow me on all my social media platforms, all under sports with strawberry ice. I'm on Facebook. Twitter, Twitter, the handle is at Jeff A. Tronopol. I'm on Instagram, uh, TikTok, me and I do some silly TikToks. Jeremy joins me in some of them. And you can find that under Sports Strawberry Ice. And also the the, the uh, TikTok handle is Iceman90. And like I said, I'll be pulling the sound off later on tonight, um, putting it onto the podcast. So if you can't sit there and listen to us talk or watch us talk for an hour, you can listen to us. It's on Bean Pods. Uh, Spotify, Apple, iTunes, uh, pretty much wherever you get your podcast. Make sure you like, rate, and review. Download it. Tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell everybody about Sports of Strawberry Ice. YouTubers, we're at 1,130 subscribers. That is awesome. Um, we, Like I said, we had Super Chats going on, which I didn't get one today, which is fine. You know, whatever. I just like to try to put that out because it is something new that you guys can do to support the channel and support the, what I am doing here. And other than that, Jeremy. Not known as Dimebag Dean. Let's <laughs> roll on out of here. <laughs> Tell me your Twitter handle too, brother. Uh, yeah. Uh, if you guys want to check me out on Twitter, um, all you got to do is go over to Twitter and put in D84 Jeremy. Uh, my name will pop up, Jeremy D. It's very easy. D84, not D's nuts. Kind of like D's, yeah, D for D's not. Uh, oh, we got Eighty-four for the women that I've been with, and Jeremy's just my name. So Jeremy D's nuts, and then eighty-four women, and then it, it's that simple. Oh, it's simple. So so it's so it's D D. As in these nuts, 84 different women, and Jeremy, who's me. Simple. Simple to find, and then you'll find me. And then once we're friends, I'll be Jeremy D. So, uh, What the hell is wrong with us? What is wrong with us? I don't know, but there's only one thing I can say and one thing only. (laughs) Yeah, what is that? Everybody, all together. And that is, as always, Remember one thing and one thing only, 
And that is, you don't live in Cleveland. You live in Cincinnati. Keep going to PFF. Check out Evan. We love you guys. Who day? On to you, brother. <laughs> Who day? Check out Jeremy D on his Twitter, not these nuts. <laughs> <laughs> and that's just sports, baby. See ya! Whoa, 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 whoa.